Our Bible reading this morning is coming to us from Mark chapter 4. So if you can open up your Bibles to Mark 4, we're going to be reading verses 35 to 41. Mark tells us this. He says, That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side. All right, so let me stop there a minute. Jesus, it says, That day. Well, what day was it? Well, it was a pretty hectic day. If you back up In your scripture reading, you can see at the beginning of Mark chapter 4 that Jesus began to teach by the lake. And if you back up even further into Mark chapter 3, verse 7, you see that Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed him. And when people heard what he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, in the regions across the Jordan, around Tyre and Sidon. So what was that day like? Jesus got up in the morning and it was people, and it was teaching, and it was healing, and it was Jesus doing ministry from sunup to sundown with crowds and crowds of people. That was the day. And so Jesus, where are they? Jesus says, let's go over to the other side. We already know that they're at the lake, and that lake is the Sea of Galilee. Sometimes it was called the Lake of Gennesaret because that region used to be called Gennesaret. So it has multiple names. It's also called the Sea of Tiberias, just to get us all completely confused in there. And so they are at the lake doing ministry. There's a little notch in that map on the left-hand side where that red circle is, and in that little notch is something called the Cove of the Sower, where they believe that Jesus gave Uh, the message of the sower and the seed, and you see that's proceeding here. That's where they were, by Capernaum, Jesus' hometown. He's doing ministry. He withdrew there to get some, some rest and just to be able to be with his disciples, but no, ministry is there from sunrise to sunset. And so Jesus is saying to his disciples, let's go to the other side. And the other side means he's heading across the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is about eight miles across, so you can see across it. It's not really far, but it was enough for him to get across the sea, because in that region was, was not the Jewish area. That was the region of the Gentiles, and Jesus is heading over there, and a whole other avenue opens up for him when they finally do get across, as you see in Luke chapter 5. Jesus restores a demon-possessed man, all right, so this, is not a, this trip is not working out how Jesus intended it uh, to work out. So they are heading across the sea. And it says to us, Jesus says, leaving the crowd behind, and that was the goal, they took him along just as he was in the boat, and there were other boats with him. This doesn't mean that uh, Jesus was all ratty looking. That's what it sounds like, doesn't it? They took him along just as he was. Maybe you could spruce up a little bit, Jesus. Uh, You're not looking so good, but it means he was standing there. We know he was giving his message in the boat. And so they're not, they're not like going home and packing a lunch. They're not going home and getting things ready or getting others, just as he was. He was teaching, boom, I'm sitting down. We're going across to get away from all, all these crowds and all these people. Of course, it tells us there were other boats with them. So that really didn't work out. It's kind of like the paparazzi, right? (laughs) Just stalking Jesus, just always being at him. I I think that's a pretty good image we have. 
Verse 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Again, let me stop there. What we know is, is Mark writes, we see again how contextually uh, Mark is accurate with the geography here and with what's happening because the Sea of Galilee, as you can see in that picture, sits like a little bowl in the bottom of uh, here surrounded by mountains. And there is the Sea of, of, of Galilee. And so what happens in the Sea of Galilee quite often is that the cool winds come over the mountains, and because the air is cooler, they drop suddenly down into that little bowl while the hot air of the sea rises. And suddenly, the winds work up. And so the word that we actually have here for furious squall in Greek is lilapsis. It's, it's only used here. Lilapsis, and it means wind, it means whirlwind. It's not like a storm that we get here in Michigan, dark clouds, rains, it's a wind that all of a sudden, whoosh, the wind is coming down. Suddenly, while they're in the middle of the lake, down in the evening time, the wind comes, a furious squall is coming up, and it tells us that the waves broke over the boat. Big waves, big waves hit the Sea of Galilee, larger than you can, can really even imagine in that little area, but it was a frequent occurrence on that Sea of Galilee because of where it was located. So the waves are coming over the boat. We got seasoned fishermen here who are used to being in a boat, but these waves are really taking their toll on them. It says they broke over the boat, so that was nearly swamped. That's usually what happens when I get into a, like a kayak or something. It's usually nearly swamped, right? You're tipping, water's pouring in and I'm going over. That's what's going on. They're afraid they're, they're going under. Meanwhile, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Does that not tell you something about the kind of days Jesus has been happening, right? Because, I, I mean, I, can, I fell asleep during movies, right? And I fell asleep during uh, uh, other pastor's sermons, never my, never, <laughs> never my own for some reason. But, uh, you know, I've fallen asleep in places. Uh, but never in a storm, and even when we're riding in a car on a trip, you know, when you're sleeping, all of a sudden it's stormy. It's like, I'm awake, I'm paying attention. But here's Jesus just conked out in the front of the boat, and, and with this artist, there's also a swarm of fireflies or something around his head. Uh, you see, how he slept with all that, I do not know. But there's Jesus, because in these boats in the day, they did have a seat in the front. It often would have a little cushion, and Jesus went there, and he is sleeping. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Wow. Mark records in the original language just two words. Both are in an imperative which means it's a command, something that needs to be done. It, it, we don't have that in our language because we put the B before, but it's like, quiet, still. You're done. Be muzzled. Peace. Quiet down. Jesus stood up and he spoke those two words. And when he spoke those two words, you see, it was all complete authority, right? 
That's when you know you have authority, when you only have to speak a word. You have authority, right? Like I'm a little kid, goofing around, messing up, and I hear two words, Robert Scott. That's all I had to hear. It's like, okay, I better, I better straighten up. The story from my uh, in-law side is that my, my father-in-law had these great fingers that would snap. That all the kids were messing around, and all he'd have to do was snap his fingers. And I can't snap them that hard, but he can. It's a gift of God, isn't it, Amy? <laughs> and you would jump, and like you'd straighten up, right? That's, that's when you know you have authority. And as a theater guy, I always tell people, when you're playing authority, you don't have to get loud. You don't have to get bold. You just carry the authority. In one word, somebody's going to respond. And Jesus does that here. He stands up, and he says, quiet, still. Right to the storm, to the waves, to the wind, that's all going around. And what happens? It says, then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Are you there? I mean, think about that. Two words. The winds and the waves obeyed him and went from a raging whirlwind, a raging storm, life-threatening, to calm. Because Jesus spoke. Oh, my goodness. And the disciples turned, and he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? In Mark, when he talks about having faith, is really believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you not believe that I am the Son of God? Because look, just before this, I was healing people. Just before this, I, I, I raised a woman, uh, a little girl from the dead. Just before this, do you not still understand that I am God, that I care about you, that I have the power, that, that I will take care of you? Do you not understand? Do you still have faith? Why are you so worried? I told you not to be. Do you still not get it that I am God? Do you not get it? And verse 41 tells us, they were terrified and asked each other, here's the source of their terror, right? Who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. Because they started by addressing him uh, up there in verse 38. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And the answer here is, who is it that stills the wind and the waves? God. God was with them. God had unleashed his power. God was there, and they were gripped with awe and a little bit afraid because they were in the presence of that kind of power that only had to speak, and the wind and waves would calm down. See, they knew, they knew the scriptures, right? They were, they were good Jewish boys who were raised on the scriptures. In Psalm 89, 9, no doubt was running through their heads, Psalm 89.9 says these words. It says, you, meaning God, God rules over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. That scripture's in the back of their head. They just saw it happen before them. Let me compute the conclusion. He's God. And he's more powerful than the wind 
and the waves. And this introduces us to our second attribute of God in this series called None Like Him. An attribute in this series, None Like Him, where God is not like us, where God has characteristics that are different from us, that we don't have. And this attribute is that God is omnipotent. God is what we call omnipotent. Omni is the prefix, meaning all. Potent means powerful. God is all-powerful. All right? God is all-powerful. This means that God is the source of power. Where does everything get its breath from? From God. Where does everything get life from? From God. How is history moving forward? From God. How do the planets stay in orbit? From God. Where does everything get its source? It's God. In the beginning, God. He's the source of everything. And not only is he a source of everything with his power, it's the degree of his power. He has the power to do anything that he wants to do, anything that's in line with his character, anything that's in line with the morality that God has established, anything that God needs to do to move forward his purposes and to advance his kingdom, God has the power to do. It's not like God's in heaven and going, well, I wish the world would do this so it would look more. No, he's got the power to do it. And not only does he, have the, does he have the power to do it, he also has the quantity of power to do it. Remember, Pastor Laura talked last week that God is limitless. That's good. One was listening, Laura. <laughs> limitless. One was limitless. God's power was limitless. And, and that's what we're talking about, because in all these attributes where we're talked about God is infinite, we don't say, well, here's God, and over here is infinite, and over here he's all-powerful. It's not like these are appendages onto God. All of these attributes intermingle. So while we're trying to separate them out, and while we're trying to be able to present them in a way that we can wrap our heads around, what we're going to find out is many times it's a big bowl of mush, because they just interact together and you're going to hear us say maybe an attribute that we're going to talk about in four weeks because this is just who God is and we in our puny human minds are trying to break it down so we can understand and so this day we're saying God has all the power he needs it's infinite power that's our God that he is almighty although the word omnipotent does not appear in the scriptures itself if you did a search you would not find the word omnipotent at all except I'm gonna say this because somebody's gonna Google this and then I'll be in trouble and get an email except in Revelation 19 in the King James Version you'll find the word omnipotent and that phrase is what Handel used in his Messiah where we sing about our Lord God omnipotent he reigneth forever and ever and ever I think Handel had something else in mind when he when he wrote that for the people but but it was a good start that's exactly that's where we find that verse omnipotent but we see God in the scriptures being omnipotent how did God create he spoke light water planets 
Let's get the animals in there. Animals. Let's not forget the animals. Everything. God spoke everything into being by the authority. He spoke it into being. And we see God's omnipotence as we move on through the scriptures, right? We get into Exodus. No question that we see God's authority there and his omnipotent power as he parts the seas for his people to walk through. We see God's power continuing, you know, moves through the, through the Old Testament. We get to Nehemiah, where Nehemiah declares the great and mighty God is awesome because he helped them rebuild the walls of Jerusalem in an amazing 52 days. We move on forward through the scriptures into the New Testament where Jesus calms the wind and the waves. We continue moving forward into the book of Revelation where God at the end, he grabs a hold of Satan and all the evil and enemies and he casts them down into the fire and they're gone. And so then we sing, hallelujah, 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 forever. Because, there we go, because that's our God. That's the power of God. And we see it running through the scriptures. And so we'll see the author say, our God is God Almighty. Same thing, omnipotent. He is Almighty God. We'll read that too. Same thing, that he's omnipotent God. And so this is a theme that runs through the scriptures, that God is omnipotent and there is none like him. None like him. Let's not get confused. We are not like God in that we are all powerful. All right? Even the man who's been heralded as the, strong, the greatest strength athlete in the world, his name is Zydrunas Savikas. Zydrunas Savikas. That doesn't sound like he's from America to me. Zydrunas three. Actually, I know he's not. Uh, he was, uh, I like to call him um, Big Z. And if you're a friend of his, you too could call him Big Z. All right? Uh, Big Z, uh, he was the greatest strength athlete of all time. He had 70 world records. All right? He won 84 strength titles across the globe. The man could only squat 880 uh, 80 pounds. That's it. All right? He uh, could deadlift 900 pounds. He could bench press 629. I don't, I honestly was wondering, why did he not just add another pound? Went 630? Wouldn't that be a better record? Was it like too much, like 629? And he's pushing and they add one more pound on and it's like, kunk, back that. It just seems like he could have done one more pound. I would have been, come on, Big Z, one more pound. 630. He's the world's strongest man, and yet Big Z, in 2018, finished 10th in the world's strongest man competition. Why? Because his strength was diminishing, and he had to retire after 25 years. Even the world's most powerful man doesn't come close to the power of our God. And yet our world wants to send messages to us, doesn't it, that we, that we can be all-powerful, that we, that we can be. Well, yesterday, while I was um, uh, striving to match Big Z, and I was squatting 50 pounds down in the basement, <laughs> and my wife was uh, exercising as well, and on her video, this fierce woman came on the screen, and 
and she yelled at both of us. It was kind of frightening. <laughs> I'm just trying to do squats and Amy's exercise. This woman came out and she said, I wrote it down. You should be feeling powerful and empowered to take on anything that you have right ahead of you. I was like, wow. I don't know that I do. Let me do another squat. Let me, <laughs> let me see if I, if I can do more. She, was, she just like scared because she tells you you're powerful, and that's the message we get from the world. You can do it. You can rise to the top. You can live out your truth. You got everything you need within you to achieve, to hit the top, to win. You have it. And while there's an element of truth, I get what they're poking at in there, right? I get what they're poking at. We do want to think in a positive way about ourselves. I get that. But what's behind this is you can do it yourself. You can be all-powerful. And I got to tell you, when your power fails, you know, like when I'm on my eighth 50-pound squat, take that, Big Z, and I'm wore out, the world is full of things to help me get stronger, is it not? It's quite often in the evening to unwind, I will work on a, on a puzzle, and at the same time I'm working on the puzzle, I will just listen to the game show network because I want to, I guess, fill my mind with, or show that I just have a lot of trivial knowledge that I can dispense on people and feel superior. It's like, how did you not know that? Especially when they get to Bible categories. Have you ever seen people tank on the Bible categories in Jeopardy? Yeah, losers. Um, <laughs> a guy the other day, sidetrack here, a guy the other day, he lost his money when they asked him, what is the first book of the Bible? Genesis. He didn't know. Oh my God. Like, come on, it serves you right for losing that money, you know? So anyways... Or we could show the love of Jesus, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> we could do that. Uh, but I'm, that's my superior moment uh, at that time. So I'm, I'm watching the, those shows. And, and while I'm watching them, because it, it must be that people who like to watch the game show network are in the failing stages of their health. That's all that I can figure out. Because every single commercial is throwing something at me to be more powerful. Right? Let's have this power smoothie in the morning and at lunch and evening, and you'll be just on top of, uh, of your game. And they, and they say, just, you know, take alpha male, and you'll return to what? And actually, it works pretty good. So alpha male, <laughs> I'm going to say that's, that's, that's okay. Uh, it's talking about mind puzzles. Get into, take these mind puzzles, and your mind will you know, we'll come up, eat this field of green, just eat this green gucky stuff every day, and you'll, like, no, not a chance. My green is Mountain Dew, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I am sticking to it. So, so uh, uh, it's coming at you. If you just have these items, if you go down this aisle, if you watch this commercial, if you go to this website, you too can be powerful. You can hold on to your power. But friends, we know, if we're honest, we're not, are we? We're not powerful. We run out of resources. We run down on energy. And maybe you're here this morning, and you're, you're feeling that this morning as you've, you've tried day after day to, to work through this difficult marriage, as you're, you're working through to, to, to beat this addiction that's been hanging on to you in your, in your life, as you're, you're struggling to give wisdom to your, to your wayward 
child, if you're just trying to live a a pure and holy life in a sin-filled world, as we continue to go out there and we face all these things, maybe you're here this morning and find out, that's me. I don't have it anymore. I can't go on. I don't have the resources to keep moving forward. I'm ready to throw in the towel. I've had it. I don't know that I can push on anymore. Well, I want you to know, you're in a good place because we know the one who stood up in the boat and said, be quiet, be calm. We know the one who has unlimited, omnipotent power. And in the scriptures, we are told that this power is made available to us. Paul in Ephesians 1 says, God, this power of God is available for us who believe. Put that in your head. That power of Jesus is available for you, for us who believe. Ephesians 1, I'm flipping over there, Ephesians 1. These are some words of of Paul. Uh, And this is what, what Paul is saying to us in verse 18. Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. All right, if you can hear Paul praying for you today. I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened uh, in order that you may know what? In order that you may know, and look what he says down in verse 19, that you may know the incomparably great power of God for us who believe. Paul says, I want you to know this, that your eyes will be open. And it's not just power, it's great power. No. It's not just great power, it's incomparably great power. I mean, Paul's head is exploding. He can't describe this power of God. Is that like it's, it's bursting at the seams? He, he, I, I, just, I just can't explain this, this, this power that is available to you. It, it's incomparably great, great power. And look what he says then, continuing in 19, that power is the same. So in you, believe in Jesus Christ, This power that is in you, it is the same. It is just like this. What is it the same as? It is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Goodness, that's power. I mean, it wasn't just that Jesus was laying there dead and that God just said, well, I'm going to resuscitate him. I'll open his eyes, I'll get his heart beaten and bring him up. He did all of that. That was enough, right? He raised him from the dead. Jesus burst out of that tomb, but when he did, Jesus was raised with a glorified body. body. A new body that will never decay, that will never die, that will never grow old. And he says that same power that he exerted to raise Jesus from the dead is now where? No. It's, well, it's in both places, to be, to be fair. It's in us who believe. Because when we believe, the Spirit of Jesus Christ lives within us. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, because this power that I have inside of me is 
is the risen power of Jesus Christ who is now seated on the throne next to God. That's the power. That's the power that we have available to us. And I want you to hear that today, that you are not powerless, that if you are here, you are not powerless because you have the one in front of you who is omnipotent, and he places his power within you through Jesus Christ. But here's the trick. Let's, let's follow Paul some more in 2 Corinthians 12. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul has these words. 2 Corinthians 12, I'm going to start at verse 7. Well, halfway through verse 7. Therefore, Paul writes, 12, 7, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was giving a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. Well, that's a paradox, isn't it? I mean, I, I mean, we just think, when I'm weak, I'm strong. That doesn't make any sense. That's our God. We have a Bible full of paradoxes. And God says, when, I, when you are weak, then you are strong. Why? Because as long as you think you're strong, you won't ask for help. As long as you think you have the resources, you have the abilities... As long as you think you're strong, you will not ask for help. It's only when you're weak and you realize you can't do it on your own, then you ask for help. An illustration that I used before that some of you have maybe just now got out of your head. A year ago or more, I had back surgery. I was in a terrible state with my back and had back surgery and couldn't do a whole lot for myself, I had to admit that I was weak, right? Prior to that, I was like, I got it together, right? After all, I'm like, big Z, I can do 50 squats. You know, I can do it. But during that time when my back hurt, I had to say, honey, could you help me put my underwear on, please? <laughs> and I know that image just got out of some of your heads, and thank you. Now it's right back in there again. And... I mean, for me, that, that, that's pretty weak, right? To have to ask for that kind of help. I'm not doing it anymore, because I can do it. I'm not Big Z, I'm Big B, so I can do it myself. <laughs> you can just call me that from now on, Big B. I like that. Well, then I sound like a coffee drink. <laughs> so no, that's not good. I, I, I rescind that thought out of my head. I am not Big B. But when you're weak, until I was weak, I wasn't asking for, for help. But when I am weak, i got to turn and ask for help. And that's what God is saying. As long as you think you're self-sufficient, as long as you think that pill will help you, as long as you think those smoothies will continue to help you, as long as you think what you read on that website will help you, or, or what your friends are telling you, or what you see on TikTok will help you, as long as those are your go-to sources, 
and you think I can do it on that power because I'm fierce and I can take on anything I got today, you're, gonna, you're not going to turn towards God. You're not going to turn towards God. And we saw that as a nation, didn't we, on 9-11? As an entire nation for a good two months, we turned to God because we realized in those moments we were weak and everybody was turning towards God. Then things got back to normal and people started feeling self-sufficient, self-reliant. I got this, and they turned away from God. It's not until we are weak that we are made strong because we turn towards God. And in those moments when I turn towards God and say, God, I'm helpless, I'm broken, I'm hurting, I need you, God, then in those moments, as Paul says, the Spirit of God will rest on us, and in those moments we will have the strength of God, which Paul says and writes here, which God says, my grace is sufficient for you. All right, sufficient, not in the sense of like, well, that's, that's good enough, right? Uh, no, you don't need anything else. That's sufficient. You don't need anything. Why, you can't ask for anything else because what I give you will be exactly what you need because my power is made perfect in your weakness. I'm giving you exactly what you need so that you'll be strong in my power. Now notice, it may not be what you think you need. It may not be the power that you maybe even desire. Because Paul says it right here. He says, I was given a thorn in the side. It was something from Satan. And three times I pleaded to God. My prayer was, God, be strong, God. Use your power, God, and take this thorn away from me, almighty God. And Paul says, he didn't do it. Does that mean God didn't work his power through him? Paul's saying no, because it kept me from being conceited. God knew what I needed in order to be his minister, in order to me to bring the gospel to the world. I couldn't be conceited. I couldn't think that it was all about me and my eloquence and and me performing miracles and me doing well. So this thing that I had, which we don't know, it kept me humble. It kept me in submission and kept me attached to God. And that's right where I needed to be. Was that what Paul thought he needed? No. And maybe you're here today in your weakness and you're thinking, this is what I need. If God is God, he will give me this. He may not. But he's a good God. He's a good Father. His grace is sufficient for us. It's what he gives us is made perfect because it's not that we are here and that we get to live uh, 80 comfortable years that we get to just live with ease and without pain but we are here to give God glory because that's what we're here for and God knows what will move his kingdom purposes forward God will knows what brings him the most glory and in our lives if we're open to God he will exert that power in our lives so that we will be able to do that and accomplish those purposes and when we are right with God and we are in the center of God's will that's where we find life That's where we find life. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. So are you in a place today where you're feeling weak, where you're feeling worn out, where you just can't go anywhere, you don't have any more resources? Hallelujah. You're in a great place. You're in a great place. Join the rest of us. (laughs) 
Join all of us who are weak. We are here not because we're strong. We're here because we are weak, and we find our strength in the one who stood up in the boat. So turn to him. Turn to God. He's your source of power. You know, when my phone runs out, it's not like, oh, man, geez. Huh. My battery's dead. Well, you know what I better do? I just better put it in the microwave. If I just nuke it a little bit, do a little nuclear power in there, my phone will... You know what I'll do? I'll, I'll take it out. I'll set it out on my uh, picnic table, a little wind, a little solar that will, that will recharge this thing up. We don't do those things, do we? We put it into the charger where we know it's going to get charged up. And yet in our lives, when we're weak, often we turn to all these faults promises of power and we got to turn to the one who will provide exactly what we need and that is God because we know he's omnipotent and so as his children who live before him our first response is to turn to the one who provides all the power because Jesus said without me you can do nothing all right what's the Greek definition of nothing nothing you can't do anything without him and so we got to turn towards God. Psalm 55 gives us these words. It says, cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. He's going to sustain you. He won't be shaken, but what do you got to do? You got to cast your burdens on the Lord. And, and that word cast comes from fishing. Remember they had the big nets and they're like, all right, time to fish. Grab my net. <laughs> I throw it out there. That's what we're doing. That's what, that's what he means. You got, you got something that you're weak. You got trouble. You got something that you can't move through. You're dealing with that addiction. You're dealing with that, like I said, that, that marriage that's uncomfortable. You're dealing with uh, trying to start a new habit. You're dealing with whatever you're dealing with. You're like, I don't have the resources to do it. You take it all and you throw it on to God. There you go, God. It's yours. Like you did when you were a little kid. Remember when you were carrying your coat around? You got sick and tired of carrying your coat around? You're like, Mom, here. And you throw it at her. That's what you got to do. You got to throw it. Although Mom you said, I'm not carrying that for you. You, Bobby Carroll, you pick that up. And I'm like, don't you know I'm the big B? I don't carry my coat, Mom. Uh, you throw it. And then when you cast it, you know, because that, that's what God said. God said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me. Bring your problems to me. And that's what we do. And God said, I will be with you to sustain you. That's what the verse says. I will be there with you to sustain you. Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, no evil, because God, you are with me. And when God is with me, who can be against me? I got the omnipotent God on my side. And so I turn towards God, and then I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust him, right? I cast it out there, and then I don't go, oh, well, I hope God's got uh, I, don't, I don't think he's got it. Maybe I should do, maybe I should rely on this, and this is, you know what, God, here, why don't you just give it back to me? How often do we do that? That we don't trust we can't take it back once we've cast it on him. We've got to trust God. We've got to trust and live in. And, and, and to be honest, this trust is built as we move through life and, we, and, we, and we, we are engaged in God's word. 
and we know the stories, we've seen God's working in the life of his people, where he's been faithful, where he's unleashed his power in them. We, that's why God's given us this record, so we don't sit here going, eh, I wonder if I cast this out to God. Does he got, well, does he got it? I don't, I don't know. Yes, I know. I know. I got a lifetime of building my life on the foundation, on the rock. I'm certain that God has this. And that's why we encourage you to be in the word and to pray so you know this God. So when you cast it to him, he's got it. You can be like Paul going, I'm good. Because in my weakness, I now got strength. And so we, we cast it out to God and we trust him. And I think this is where we look at Isaiah 40, 41 as we trust God. Isaiah 41. Can you put that up on the screen? It's this, these words. Do not fear, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And what is the right hand symbolized for in the Bible? Power. Although I'm left-handed, so I'm a little humble there, right? Right hand. It's the right hand of power. The right hand of power. God says, I got it for you. And so what I think we need to do is learn this verse, trust this verse, and put our name in front of it. Mark this verse down and put your name in front of it and hear these words from God to you as you are there in your weakness. And I hear him say, Bob, do not fear, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Bob, I will help you. I will strengthen you and help you. Really? Bob, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You write that down and turn to that verse and own that verse and trust God to do what he wants to do. And then, friends, we take the step of faith. I cast to God. I gave him my problem. I know he's going to be with me and his power is going to go with me, right? He promised that. And so I'm going to step out in faith, believing that God is who he said he is, believing that God has strengthened me and I'm going to take the step. Because as I read the scriptures, that's what I see the pattern of. We trust God and take the step. When God said, I'm giving you this promised land, did you really, God, between us and the promised land, there's a river, God. There's a, do you see the water? Yes. You guys all walk through the water, and I'll give you the promise. What? It's flood stage. How are we going to walk through the river, God? I'm your God. I've given you the promised land. Step into the water. All right. And they take the step, and the power happens, and the water splits, and they're able to walk through. That's the pattern of, of God's people. We see it over and over and over again. David runs down into the valley, confident that he was going to be able to take down the giant. He ran, knowing that he could do it. Even when the odds were against him, Jesus handed bread and loaves to the disciples. I love this in the story because I've been kind of immersed in Mark. And Jesus, what do you got? They go, well, we don't got enough to feed these people. There's 5,000 of them, Jesus. Just tell them to go home. We can't feed them. What do you got? Well, we got five, well, we got five loaves and two fishes. What does Jesus do? He prays over it. Pray to God that you would do something great. And then he hands them 
five loaves and two fishes. Read the story. It's not like Jesus prayed and then, whoom, it was old country buffet. <laughs> Jesus prayed, he still had the five loaves and two fishes in his hands, and then he doles it out, Peter, you, 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 now go feed the people. What? All right. And they step in faith. And it multiplies, and the power occurs, and Jesus does what he needs to do, and we need to step in faith. That we have received what God has promised. That his power is in us. And so I'm going to step forward with courage. I'm going to, I'm going to step forward knowing that God has, has given his spirit in me. And I'm going to step forward with the peace that I need. I'm going to step forward knowing that he's empowered me with the words that I need to say. I'm going to step forward knowing that I can persevere one more day. I'm going to step forward knowing that God has empowered me. I'm going to take the step. Yeah, but Pastor Bob, I don't see it. I don't feel it. That's exactly my point. We live by faith and not by sight. And so we step, trusting and believing. And when we do, the power of God falls upon us. And so, friends, I just want to encourage you in this day to, to believe what God says here about his power. That this power is for you. If you are here today in your weakness, turn towards God and receive his power in this day. I mean, as I said, I've been reading through the book of Mark, and I, I just thought this week about they were, we were in the last days of Jesus, and Jesus is dying on the cross. Can you think of a weaker condition to to be placed in. He had that crown of thorns on his head. He's, he's nailed to this cross. He's got spikes in his feet. He's been hanging there, dying of a vulnerable for the whole world. Can, can you think of a weaker condition? And there he is, and some guy down at the bottom of the cross goes, oh, yeah, <laughs> he he said he could save others, but he can't even save himself. Now, if I'm Jesus, I'm going all John Siena on him, and I'm coming down from that cross, and I'm picking it up, and I'm hitting him with it. That's what I'm doing, right? If I'm Jesus, I'm calling down fire upon these people, the power of God. Come on down, God, with your power, and burn these boneheads up. Burn them up. Right now, God, I'm going to snap my fingers and let that palace collapse on Herod because a new kingdom is here. That's how we're unleashing your power, God. That's what I would have done. That's what the big B would have done. But good thing I'm not God, right? <laughs> because. The elders will be meeting for an excommunication meeting uh, immediately following uh, the services. Because in those moments where Jesus was hanging on the cross in his weakness, was he not at his strongest? It didn't look like that to the world, did it? You heard it from that guy's mouth. But God gave Jesus exactly what he needed. His grace was sufficient for him. And he made perfect that Jesus was able to endure the agony of the cross, that Jesus was able to endure the punishment that he needed to receive for God on our behalf, not just so that he could be saved. Oh, he could have took himself down and be saved. But God gave him what he needed so that all of us could be saved. Could be saved. Is that not greater power? Amen. Is that not greater power that was made perfect in weakness? So if you ever doubt 
If you ever doubt, keep your eyes on the cross. And remember that when we turn ourselves to God in our weakness, that he will give us exactly what we need. And then as Paul says, God will be able to do immeasurably more than you can even think or imagine by the power that's within you. So let's not tell God how he needs to bring his power into our life. Let's open ourselves up and say, God, do what you need to do to bring your power into my life. And then may I be faithful in stepping forward with that power into this world. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for uh, your word. Oh my goodness, how, how great it is to sustain us in this day, God, because, yeah, we are, we are broken people. We are, we're not eternal people, as we were going to be talking about, too. We are finite people. We are people who are limited in God, and some of us are coming in here today pretty weary. And um, may we hear this, these words as good news, that in this day, right now, we sit here in our brokenness, and that is a good thing. But now we turn towards you. So would you do that in this day, right now, in this moment, as you came in here and you didn't think you could take another step forward? You didn't think you had the resources to go on? You didn't think you could face this issue? Just give it to God. Cast it out there. Throw it on him. Say, God, it's for you. Give it to you. And know in this day that his power is for all of us who believe. Trust him that in this day, that very same power that raised Jesus from the grave is now at work within you. Let us believe.